What is up, Washington football fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. Guys, we're at episode 21. So today, guys, I'm going to give you guys a quick episode, a real short episode, not none of these long episodes that I've been giving you lately. We're going to get this content out to you really fast, and the reason being is that we're at training camp eve, guys. Washington football team starts their 2021 training camp session in Richmond tomorrow. So the players will begin um, starting to trickle into camp and checking in and things like that, and I think that our first um, training camp session is actually on Wednesday. So... To give you guys a quick time stamp, like I said, today is Monday, July 26th. We're at training camp eve. Um, like I said, the Washington football team will be starting their training camp starting tomorrow with the first practice session on Wednesday. And us at Bleeding BNG, we will be there from Thursday to Saturday. So if you're listening to this and you see us at the um, at the training camp and you know us from the podcast, don't be afraid to introduce yourselves and to make yourselves known, guys. We're looking to make friendships. We're looking to to be as close-knit with everybody in the Washington football fan commu- football team community because that's what it's all about. So like I said, us at Bleeding B&G, we're going to be there Thursday evening. So we're going to be there from the walkthrough on Thursday evening all the way to the end of training camp in Richmond on Saturday. So I hope to see you guys there, and I'm very excited. I can't wait. Football season is back. So like I said, guys, we're going to have a short episode today. We're going to push some of this content out re- to you really quick. But it is about 4 o'clock p.m., and I'll about a half an hour ago, Washington actually signed defensive tackle Jonathan Island, Jonathan Island to a contract extension. Um, now, this has come to a surprise to many because there were a lot of reports that came out even earlier today that said that, um, the, that there wasn't much coming out of either camp, Washington football team's camp or the Jonathan Island camp regarding a contract extension. And, you know, with training camp starting up, that it might have been the breaking point or the end point of, you know, Jonathan Island, um, you you know, indulging himself in contract um, negotiations because I know a lot of times the football player actually doesn't want to deal with any of those things once the season starts. And with the season theoretically starting tomorrow, it is amazing that we got this contract extension um, out of the way um, on the eve of training camp. So to give you some of the contract details, it is a four-year extension um, with seven up to $72 million with $30 million guaranteed. And guys, this is a steal. Um, grateful Jonathan Allen. Um, I'm glad that he got his money and I'm glad that he got everything that he was looking for with a contract that averages out to be about $18 million a year. But Washington got a bargain, guys, because as you guys know, the, you know, the cap hit, um, the cap, the salary cap took a bit of a hit this year with the pandemic and dealing with, you know, the shortage of revenue coming in from the previous season. But, you know, they project that the salary cap is either is going to jump tremendously and exponentially um, uh, next season. So this deal is going to look um, great compared to the salary cap from for as little as soon as next year, even down the line. Um, $18 million a year for somebody like Jonathan Allen, who's a culture guy, who's somebody who's going to set your culture. Um, that being proven with him being a team captain. He's a local guy, somebody that grew up in the area um dominating virginia high school football dominating the virginia high school football scene um coming out as a five-star and going to the university of alabama and this just is a tremendous um this is a tremendous thing this is actually something that caught me off guard because i actually didn't plan on potting about this but like i said this is news that dropped minutes ago guys because um a, a lot of reporters john Kahn, michael phillips they were saying that you know 
the the contract the extension was looking pretty bleak with not a lot of news coming out so that means that you know the two teams got together today and they worked those numbers out and they crunched those numbers out and got a deal done clap it up i salute the washington football team front office for getting this one done and there's a plethora of reasons why i love jonathan allen as a player if you guys can remember when i ranked the five best players on the washington football team i thought that jonathan allen was the second best player on the washington football team's roster at the moment now i caught a lot of flack of that but a lot of people were telling me no 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 you can't you can't have jonathan allen over terry mcclure well i did and here are some of the reasons why he's a culture guy he's a local guy he's somebody that's going to set the attitude and the tempo of practice the attitude in your locker room and he's been doing that for years on in and years on out he's been doing that dealing with the trash of the jay gruden regime and the bruce allen and the bruce dealing with the bruce allen front office like he's been doing this if you can remember even as far back as his rookie year he used to get really upset at losses and i know a lot of people were turned on because he was like down down trash like a lot of the fans and things like that but this guy was giving out all giving full effort all go and no he didn't always have dominant seasons but the one that he had this past season is very deserving of this contract extension he led the nfl with run stops with over 35 and if you just look he was an a, an amazing defensive tackle this year transitioning to the 4-3 scheme playing under coach rivera and coach del rio you know he had 50 pass rushes which was the most of any interior lineman on the team and i think it was the most out of any lineman on the team period narrowly um narrowly edging out montez sweat and guys i just love this pick now there is things to look at like what does this mean for deron Payne? and we also have um you know my guy matt ionitis entering the last year of his second year i mean his second contract that he has signed the extension of after the 2018 season so he'll be entering the last year of his deal so we have to look at those prospects like i've mentioned before i personally think that the washington football team will be having tim settle on the trading box soon just because you you know he's a productive player and and, you know, your fourth D-tackle on the depth chart, you can get some value out of that. You know, you he's he's rarely going to see any snaps. Now, I know we like having a deep D-line that's interchangeable, keeping all these guys fresh. But now we have to worry about the business ends of football and things like that. So, um, if the, hey, like I said, you know, Bleeding B&G, we try to give you some, you know, heads up, some upfront analysis before everybody else. So, I wouldn't be shocked if I see um, Tim Settle on the trading block soon um, with, you know, Matt Ioannidis entering the last year of his deal i wouldn't be surprised if we try to lock him up along with deron Payne. and you know if they become outside of our you know our bidding price one of them may have to go and it'll be interesting to see which one personally i think that it might be ionitis that goes after this season with deron Payne up for his first big contract like i said ionitis it will be coming off his second extension and Payne and island were a dynamic duo when ionitis was off the field last year um, i think Payne was second in the league or time for second in the league and run stops right behind jonathan allen and you know, they've, they've, they've had that, you know, tremendous chemistry coming from Alabama, building that Alabama wall that we know. And like I told you guys before, this is what front good front offices do. They sign and they keep their best players. They draft and develop their best players and sign them to second contracts so they can impact winning on the long haul. And this is something that I think the Washington football team is prepping themselves to be. So that is the quick bit of information that dropped minutes ago. And that is Washington, um, the Washington football team has agreed to a contract extension with Jonathan Allen. Congrats, Jonathan. All right. 
So like I just told you guys, this is going to be a short, quick episode. But I do want to leave you guys with a quick nugget before training camp starts. I told you guys before, I want Bleeding B&G to be you guys' guy throughout the football season. Whether that be your draft guy, we're going to use you today as our training camp guy. Whether that be your mini camp guy, or just a guy through, to maneuver throughout the regular season. Bleeding B&G is your content hub for everything Washington football, team football. So like I said before, um, this is going to be a quick episode. But today we're actually going to look at the five storylines heading into training camp five of the biggest storylines that I think are um, some of the most impactful storylines heading into training camp whether that be position battles whether that be you know roster construction who makes the roster I'm going to give you our five most impactful and biggest storylines heading into training camp so number one the most impactful, uh, and they're going to be in order uh, from the most impactful that I believe to the least impactful, um, but all five of them are pretty uh, pretty important as far as, you know, training camp and Richmond and throughout the offseason goes. So number one is how hard does Taylor Heineke push Ryan Fitzpatrick for the starting QB position? And personally, I don't think it's going to be too hard, um, but I do have to, um, you know, hold Coach Rivera to his word. He did say that there will be some sort of quarterback competition. I'm somebody of the belief that Fitz is going to start all 16 games and he's going to give us you know one of those renaissance type seasons um, and you know I don't think that Taylor Heineke is going to push for the starting position um, too much throughout training camp now one thing I will say is I think that Taylor Heineke is going to going to push Ryan Fitzpatrick to be better and to be a better starting quarterback knowing that he is going to have somebody that is capable of doing some things and some special things especially like extending the pocket and things like that that Taylor Heineke is doing but I don't necessarily think that throughout training camp throughout this three-week training camp period that Taylor Heineke is going to actually show enough to push Ryan Fitzpatrick if we can remember a lot of people were talking about um, Taylor Heineke's performance coming out of minicamp as compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick but then were Reports came out later that Taylor Heineke never saw snaps with the first team. So you guys, you like we got we gotta keep context with some of these news and some of these reports and some of these inklings um, coming out of training camp as they come out. So like I said, um, the biggest storyline is how hard does Tr Taylor Heineke push Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because hopefully, you know, one of these guys is capable of giving us our best quarterback play since the 2017 season. You know, we really haven't had tremendous quarterback play since Kirk Cousins has left. And honestly, I don't even think his la Kirk's last season was that great. So honestly, I'm looking for our best quarterback play since the 2016 season where Kirk threw for nearly 5,000 yards and we almost had three 1,000-yard receivers. Um, and we'll see if Taylor Heineke is able to push Ryan Fitzpatrick in that capacity. All right, so our second biggest storyline headed into Richmond training camp is who starts at the left guard position. And this is something that I haven't necessarily heard talked about and it kind of surprises me because when I look throughout the roster, there are many, many gaps in this roster that need to be filled, especially um, when you're considering starters and, and you know, our um you know our first level, our first string level players. Um, but I haven't really heard anything about the competition at left guard. That is the one gaping hole where I really don't know who is going to be solidified as the starter coming in the training camp or coming out. I believe that you know Wes Schweitzer was um, taking a lot of the left guard reps in uh, mini camp, but then I heard that Sadiq Charles was taking both left tackle and left guard reps, and Eric Eric Flowers. I heard that all three guys um, actually had some uh, had a chance to get some reps with the starters. In 
and training camp. So that is Wes Schweitzer, Sadiq Charles, and Eric Flowers. So all um, presumably one of those guys is going to be our starter at left guard, and we don't know which one. So if you look at the offensive line, I do think that Charles Leno is going to be penciled in as your starter at left tackle. I think that Chase Roulier, I know that Chase Roulier is your starting center. I know that Brandon Scherf is your starting guard on the last or on a franchise tag, in which ultimately is looking like it's going to be his last year in Washington. And I believe that you know Samuel Cosme is going to be your starter at right tackle. Remember, I said that you have to look at the timing of when the Washington football team released Morgan Moses. You know, the England, the news um, reports and the trickling of news came out the day after Washington's first rookie minicamp session ended, where you know they actually saw saw Samuel Cosme on the field for the first time. That you know, hey, Washington may be looking to get all get the book, get off the Morgan Moses books and things like that. And then you know, by Wednesday, Morgan was cut. And I think that the biggest reason why is because they saw their future impact starter and Samuel Cosby throughout their rookie minicamp session. So I believe that he's the shoe in to start at right tackle. And if you look at left guard, it will be a battle between West Seitzer, Sadiq Charles, and Eric Flowers. Um, Wes Schweitzer is somebody who actually filled in for Le um, Wes Martin um, about early, early, early in the season last year, and I thought he filled in admirably. I honestly wasn't too thrilled with the West Schweitzer pick when we um, brought him in in free agency at, um, during the 2020 free agency period because I thought that he didn't really show uh, flashes of a good player in the uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. But you know, when he came to the Washington Football Team in more of an outside zone scheme. Um, that he was used to playing in his first year with Atlanta. Um, they were kind of transitioning to a power scheme in his later years with Atlanta. He was he showed some he was he was somebody that showed the athleticism. He has the side and it, a size at nearly 340 pounds to reach out um, to reach out on a lot of those kick blocks and things like that. He was solid in pass protection. Um, and I was really I was really pleased at West Weiss's play. And if you look and if you followed him throughout the offseason, he's done a number of crazy and freaky workouts like rock climbing walls um you know close grip picking up four um 45 inch um bench plate presses and things like that like he's a, a workout warrior and he does a bunch of insane workouts that shows me that he's ready to man down that left start um that left that starting left guard position if you know um, coach Rivera allows him but he also has competition in a guy like Sadiq Charles you got to remember Sadiq Charles was a fourth round draft pick by this regime last season and he's somebody that you know played left tackle at LSU so he has an elite um he has an elite athletic profile especially for the guard position and I'm somebody that I actually think that Sadiq Charles will be the dark horse in this race that actually has the potential to come out of training camp as you know the starting left guard First, he's young, like I said, um, at only 22. He turned, he turned, he actually turned 22 today. So happy birthday, Sadiq! And you know he has the pedigree, and I think that he has the talent. Um, he was shutting down edge rushers in the SEC, playing at the left tackle position. He was shutting down good players like Terrell Hall from Alabama and uh, Darrell Taylor from Tennessee. Sadiq Charles shut them down in that 2019 season at LSU, playing the left tackle position. He's somebody that has impeccable feet. He was a great high school. Uh, 
uh, soccer goalie in his high school. And, and the only thing that's stopping him from being a pretty good left tackle in the NFL, in my opinion, is that he has shorter arms. So he was already pigeonholed into, oh, he may have to transition into the left guard position or the guard position in the NFL. And I think that he's fully capable of being a solid t um, starter at the tackle position. So if you're kicking him into guard where, you know, he doesn't have to worry about uh you know, manning down enough real estate and he's working in a phone booth and he has that athletic profile where his elite athletic traits can excel in that small, short, compact area. I think that Sadiq Charles will really, really, really has a chance to shock some people coming out of training camp. Um, and then Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers is somebody that performed admirably as well in the 2019 season um, under the Washington, playing with the Washington Redskins at the time. Um, and then, you know, he signed a contract with the Miami Dolphins um, during the 2020 free agency period and kind of took a step back last season and he was traded for um, by the Washington football team to be brought back in during this offseason and he's somebody like I said he performed really well I actually remember a lot of people in the Washington football team community saying that Eric Flowers actually performed better than Brandon Scherf during that 2019 season now I don't know if I would go that far but their play was pretty comparable that play was pretty comparable especially when you're looking at you know the drastic amounts of money that the um, the two were making at that time, being that that was, um, uh, Oh, I think they were making pretty comparable money, actually, because they were both were first-round picks in the 2015 draft. Um, so, yeah, um, Eric Flowers was perform performed admirably in the 2019 season, but we also do have to remember that was under a different regime and a different coaching staff. He was playing under, you know, Coach Bill Callahan, who ran more of an inside zone and power run, run scheme. And as I mentioned when I was talking about Wes Schweitzer, that's not what we run in, with the Washington football team. We run more of, like, the outside duo run runs and any well what we do run inside is going to be more of a duo like run and outside zone looks and things like that where the guard and the uh, the offensive linemen are required to be more athletic more agile moving in space and things like that and that's something i think suits sadiq charles and west swice a little better than it does eric flowers but hey that's what training camp is for let those guys duke it out to see who comes out on top so that is our second storyline heading into training camp is who is going to come out starting at the left guard position Alright, so we're going up to our third biggest storyline coming into training camp. How many receivers make the roster and which receiver makes the roster? So I when I gave my 53-man roster, I thought that there would be there would be seven wide receivers making the roster. And as I mentioned before, I know that is a lot. I know that NFL teams don't typically carry seven wide receivers. So um, in all in, in more normalcy um, evaluation and projections, I should have put I should have projected six wide receivers to the Washington football team. But I still think we keep in seven, and I gave you the reasons why. I think that you know having two guys like Isaiah Wright and Curtis Samuel that gives you that gives you you know position flex and position versatility to give you looks coming out the backfield where you only need three running backs and you're capable of you know not keeping a fourth back and keeping an extra wide receiver but I think that the top five wide receiver positions are locked up and you know that leaves about four or five guys fighting for one or maybe two positions so the positions that are, or the players that I think have a roster spot locked up are Terry McClure, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, Adam Humphreys and Cam Sims so that leaves Antonio Gandy-Golden, Kelvin Harmon, 
Steven Sims Jr. and Isaiah Wright fighting for, like I said, either one or two spots. And DeAndre Carter as well, but he's more of a return specialist. Um, and the, who, who do we think is coming out of training camp with those six and seven? That, at least that six roster spot, guys. If it's six, six, if it's six guys that they're keeping on the final 53-man roster, that leaves only one spot for those five guys that I named. And personally, out of those five guys that I named, I do lean towards, you know, the, um, the Washington football team keeping Antonio Gandy Golden just being that this regime spent a fourth round draft pick on him last season and I know he disappointed a lot dealing with the plethora of injuries last season but I don't I don't I don't I necessarily I don't necessarily want to feel like our front office gave up or our fourth round draft pick flamed out after one season because then you know how 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 am I supposed to look at the front office and the guys that are drafting if we have a guy in the fourth round that's flaming out and, and you know getting beat out by these undrafted free agents and things like that and you know um the reason that i think that ag that's one of the reasons that i think agg has um the uh, the edge over these other guys and the other reason is just his athletic profile like he's a 6'4 225 pound receiver who yes granted it was at liberty at the fcs um at the fcf le fcs level but he won nearly every jump ball in college you know the term definition 50 50 ball which you know hey either me or the db gets it we have a 50 50 chance that wasn't the case with antonio gandy golden at liberty it was like 95 5 he was coming down with that with that streak, that bomb, that go route, that seam ball, every play, every play. I love what I saw from Antonio Gandy Golden on film when he was coming out of Liberty. Granted, I was cognizant of the fact that it was at Liberty and he was playing on the FCS level, but he showed me some things that, you know, it doesn't matter where you're playing. If you know how to play football, it's going to translate to the NFL. And I was kind of disappointed to see the type of rookie year he had, but we have to remember, guys, he was he 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 dealt with COVID. You know, he, he dealt with COVID during the draft process. He was dealing with the COVID season, you know. And, you know, the, the transition from college to the NFL is hard at wide receiver. We don't see a lot of success stories in his rookie year. Yeah, we're starting to see a lot of it with the evolution of the passing game and guys growing up in a seven-on-seven -seven circuit and thing. But growing up, it, that was one of the main positions that, that you know, draft evaluators and things uh, and and. And pundits alike would say, hey, 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 give the wide receivers some time. It's hard, it's hard for wide receivers to transition from the college to the NFL because it's a totally different game. You're not, you get, you, you, you're not always worried about releasing at the line and things like that. You're not always worried about being a route technician at college and things like that. Um, so maybe, you know, AGG just had that rookie slump and, you know, he's due for a sophomore bounce back. So the third biggest storyline heading into Washington football team came Washington football team training camp, excuse me, is how many wide receivers do we keep on the roster and who do we actually keep? All right, two more storylines headed into Washington football team. The fourth one is, does Landon Collins get placed on the person? Does Landon Collins, excuse me, does Landon Collins get placed on the physically unable to perform list, the PUP list? Now, the Washington football team has the option of placing Landon Collins on this as soon as training camp opens, and that gives him, you know, some leeway to decide what they're going to do with him for the rest of the season. If you guys can remember what I did in my 53-man uh, um, roster projection, I actually placed Landon on the PUP list, and I actually didn't give him a roster spot um, coming out of training camp. Now, the PUP list gives the, like I said, it gives the friend 
franchise. About six weeks to decide if Landon is going to be healthy enough to be a contributor in this season. By that point, if they feel like he's ultimately not, they can place him on injured reserve. But the reason why I feel like this is one a pretty big storyline heading in the cap is because it affects the rest of the safety fallout. Um, at this moment on Monday, July 26th, the day before training camp, I believe that we only have one, you know, free free safety that is able to play the center field, the post safety role, and that's Bobby McCain with um, at a at a at a high level for a full time for a full game. I think that Cam Curl can play it in a sense, but I don't necessarily want him playing um, over the top. Uh, I think Cam is more playing. Um, in the box and uh, lining up in man coverage um, against um, corners and things, cornerbacks and things like that. I mean, uh, lining up in man coverage against tight ends and guys of that nature. Excuse me. So lastly, um, as far as the safeties go out, looking at the safety fallout, then that leaves um, DeShazer Everett, Derek Forrest, and Jeremy Reeves battling for two positions. So then I, I personally think that those last two positions are going to go to DeShazer Everett as well as um, Derek Forrest with Jeremy Reeves being the odd man out personally because DeShavier Everett and Derek Forrest are going to be your two aces on special teams those are going to be your guys that are going to be you know on every kickoff coverage on every punt coverage every kickoff team every punt team and they're going to be the guys contributing on that third phase of the ball that rarely gets talked about so the fourth storyline heading into training camp is what does the Washington football team do with Landon Collins does he get placed on PUP and, and um, with that uh, if that is the case, how do they deal with the fallout at the safety position? And last, but I last, but certainly not least, our final storyline heading into the Washington football team training camp in Richmond is who's going to be our third linebacker, guys. If you guys can remember last season, we transitioned to a 4-3 base defense from a 3-4 where we played with um, three stand-up linebackers in our base defense. Now, I personally believe that Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis are going to have two of those spots locked up. And the question begs, what are we going to do with that third linebacker spot? Now, I know a lot of you guys are like, dude, John Boston is just going to play um, the middle linebacker like, like like he did last season. But I wouldn't be so quick to, you know, write that down in concrete. If we can remember a lot of, you know, the training, um, a lot of the press conferences coming out of the regular season last year, Coach Rivera and Coach Del Rio weren't pleased with the linebacker play at all. They felt that the linebackers were running around blocks. They weren't attacking gaps and things like that. And I felt like a lot of that was an indictment on John Boston's play. And I do think that he improved over the year, but I feel like his play left a lot to be desired. And then one of the reasons why I feel like um, his spot isn't so necessarily secure is because Jamin Davis was actually an outside linebacker. He played more of the weak or the Sam role at Kentucky. But reports came out at the um, training camp, at the rookie mini camp that I um, aforementioned when talking about Samuel Cosme that Jamin Davis played almost exclusively at the middle linebacker position, which is John Bostick's position. Now, it'll be great if, J if Jamin Davis is able to, you know, be able to be the play caller while handling all the responsibilities that a middle linebacker has to handle in a 4-3 defense, which is crucial. They have to be able to, to have coverage. They have to be able to be a downhill thumper. They have to be able to... to to relay the play call from the sideline to all eleven guys on the field, they have to be able to. They have to be able to realize that all if all eleven guys are upset, and if not, where to put them at if they're out of position. Like that's a lot. 
for a rookie. And and maybe that's why, you know, Coach um, Del Rio placed um, Jamin there um, and the rookie minicamp to give him some time to get wet behind his ears and things. But I think it was a more of a sign and an indictment on John Bostic, if anything. And, and if, you know, Coach Rivera and these same in these different press conferences um after you know the team's mini camp um he was he gave Khalid Hudson really high praise mentioning him, him playing not only in the base defense but also playing that big um buffalo p um, package as well in the big nickel package that buffalo position kind of like a strong safety um strong side linebacker hybrid uh coach Rivera mentioned Khalid Hudson's name um uh, multiple times which shows me that his interest is spiked in a name like that so um looking at Khalid Hudson him hey if is he that guy um to man down that third linebacker position i will say if he is that will give us tremendous speed at the linebacker position giving us three guys that'll be in our base defense that all run under a four six at the linebacker position that will that will give us probably the fastest linebacker core in the league if Khalid hudson is able to step up to the task and man that third linebacker role uh, speaking of john bostic I, I i wouldn't be surprised if he's a surprise cut guys um, you know, one of the aspects or one of the main, um, one of the trends coming across not only the Washington football team, but training camps across the league is that there's always that one guy that fans think is better than he is or that fans was hoping that had a bigger impact than he did during camp and the, t and the fans are ultimately upset that the team decided to cut ties with that player. I think that John Bossy might actually be that player with the Washington football team. And the reason that I say this is that outside of the three names that I mentioned before in Jamin Davis, Cole Hulk and Khalid Hudson, you also have guys like Jared Norris, David Mayo, Joe Walker, and Jared Kusnick, who was bought in um, during the offseason. A guy like David Mayo, he was very productive in his limited snaps with the Giants last year. Um, a guy like Jared Norris and Jared Kusnick, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, my guy, but those are guys that are special teams contributors um, with the last Jared, I'm not even going to butcher your last name again, I'm just going to say the last Jared following Ron because he played with Ron in um, Carolina during the 2018 season. So, hey, the prospects, the stars are aligning for John Bosley to potentially be the surprise cut coming out of Richmond training camp in the 2021 season. All right, so with that being said, guys, those were our five biggest and most impactful storylines heading into training camp. Hope I got this out to you quick enough. Like I said, this wasn't going to be a long episode because football season is here. Um, I'm going to get out of here. Like I say at the end of every, every podcast, please, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're listening to this on our podcast platforms, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify specifically, Please rate, comment, and subscribe. Let's push that algorithm. Let's push that to the top so that Bleeding B&G is the first thing you see when you open that podcast app. At this point, we're available on all podcast platforms. We're available on YouTube. Search Bleeding B&G on YouTube, or you can search my name, Jalen Morgan. And you can follow our social media pages as well. And I'll leave those tags for my YouTube fam in the video. Our Instagram is at BleedingBNG. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. And our Twitter spelling is a tad bit different. That one is at BleedingBNG. B-L-E-E-D-I-N. BNG, so it's only one G in our Twitter handle. But on those pages, we post content every day. We give you the lavish updates. We just pushed out that Jonathan Island news as soon as it came out. So please follow those pages to stay in the know. I got to go pack my things for Richmond, guys. I'm going to get out of here. Peace. I'll see you at the end of training camp.